Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Boundaries podcast, a podcast where we interview faculty, students, staff, and alums of the Beyond Boundaries series of courses and the Beyond Boundaries program at Washington University in St. Louis. In this podcast, we aim to reach across the digital divide and highlight engaging stories told by Beyond Boundaries faculty and students at WashU and their ideas for future work and play. We hope to give you a window into what Beyond Boundaries is, featuring the next generation of interdisciplinary thinkers and collaborators whose aim is to leverage curiosity across disciplines in an effort to solve some of the most complex and challenging problems we face in the world today. My name is Rob Morgan, and I am the director of the Beyond Boundaries program at WashU and a teaching professor in the area of design and the performing arts department. Enjoy the show. My guests today on the Beyond Boundaries podcast are Jessica Weldon. She is the Assistant Director of Programs for the Scandalera Center of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at WashU and also a four-year advisor at WashU. And Cyril Loom. Cyril Loom is uh, also a uh, director. Uh, I'm trying to find it now. <laughs> Excuse me. Assistant Director of Venture Development at Scandalera Center at WashU uh, and also has some really interesting connections to uh, caring ministries as well here in the St. Louis area. I'm so delighted to have Cyril and Jessica on the call today to talk about Scandalera Center, talk about their background, and really give students an idea of the wonderful, wonderful resource that is the Scandalera Center. So thanks to you both for being here. Thanks Thank for having you, us. Yeah, I'm so delighted to have you both. We've had some meetings before. We've talked about the Creative Collaborations Initiative that Beyond Boundaries is now sort of relaunched under the BB umbrella, um, but uh, it's so great to have you both on the on the podcast. We just uh, both intersected yesterday um, for some presentations. I'd love for you to talk about what that was. It was some presentations by the End Game of Entrepreneurship class, a Beyond Boundaries course um, that is co-taught by professors Joe Steensma and Tu Luskri. Um, but could you talk a little bit about that uh, event yesterday? I'll let Cyril handle that one because it was in our <laughs> Idea Bounce format, and Idea Bounce is one of his uh, programs in his portfolio. Got it. Uh, great, great, great. Thanks, Joe. Uh, thanks, Jessica. So yeah, uh, Rob, that was such a great event last night. It was amazing. So we had our end game of entrepreneurship Idea Bounce event. Uh, so Idea Bounce is kind of our signature program to encourage those that have ideas or have been working on something to come and pitch in front of our audience. So usually they get two minutes, you know, uh, with no no slides or anything like that to stand in front and they're timed and they have to basically tell us what they're doing, what they're working on, what's the problem. They have to tell us with passion, with the clarity of idea and always ask for help. So it's full of energy and I know that Endgame of Entrepreneurship was, was specifically a tailored uh, Idea Bounce event based on what they've been working on in class, the SDG stuff. Uh, so that was really great to kind of see them move through their class and kind of pitch ideas out there, which were really innovative. I was ex uh, very much excited about it. And the networking component, I know we chatted a little bit about it, was amazing because usually we have judges. You were a judge last night. We have <laughs> four to six judges usually that judge these Idea Bounce events, and they provide feedback for the students that are pitched. And then it's finished with the networking because we know that the students are asking for help, right? That asks yeah. for help is in that crowd. And they are meeting with individuals like yourself, Rob, and other experts around the St. Louis ecosystem to provide feedback for them, networking, and just have a great time together knowing what they need and how we can help them move their ideas forward. Nice. It was a wonderful event. And can you, for those that don't know, um, talk about what SDG is and how each, uh, each pitch had to connect to an SDG uh, initiative? 
Do you want to take that, Jessica, or you want me to take that? Uh, I can do that. So the SDG okay. is the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Um, there's, I think, about 17 different ones. The Endgame class focuses on four specific ones, and I'm probably not going to get all four of them, but I know <laughs> like okay. gender equality is one, education is one, food insecurity, and climate. And climate. Good job, yeah. Rob. Now we did um, it together. <laughs> team effort. Uh, so all of the ideas that students worked on within the class had to align with one of those four sustain sustainable development goals. Um, and that's the real focus of the class, right, is um, the end game of entrepreneurship and using capitalism for good uh, and how entrepreneurship can be a force for that good uh, and work towards solving some of the world's largest problems. Yeah, it was really a great event and so wonderful to see it, all first year students, by the way, kind of stand up in front of a rather intimidating crowd and six judges like myself. Uh, I told my students in a group chat that I was going to be channeling my inner Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I was going to be pretty brutal on them um, just, just, just to scare them a bit. But it was a, a lot of fun and uh, really wonderful uh, to see them pitch some amazing, amazing ideas um, for a lot of really, um, really important uh, challenges, societal, global challenges that we face. So, so, um, so uh, kudos to you all for putting that event together. It was just wonderful. Um, I'd love to kind of talk a little bit about your backstories and beginning with Jessica and then, then, then going to Cyril, um, a little bit about, uh, you know, where you grew up, uh, hometown pride, uh, and that type of thing. And then moving forward in your career, uh, to where you are now at Scandaliris. Sure. So I am originally from central Illinois in a smallish town called Canton. It's near Peoria. That's the easiest way to uh, describe it. Um, but I grew up there. Uh, a lot of my family was from there and uh, went to undergrad at Mizzou um, and then ended up with a lot of friends from the St. Louis area at Mizzou and eventually decided that St. Louis seemed like uh, a good place to move to because I was certainly uh, not going to move back to my hometown. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid there's not a lot of hometown pride um, there, but I, I understand Rob's question for sure. But um, I'm a St. Louis transplant, and um, I'll, I'll, I think I'll be calling St. Louis home for a good long time. Nice, nice, nice. And you've been with uh, uh, Scandalaris uh, for quite a while. Uh, I know at least, I, actually, I knew you under your maiden name, I believe, when I first yeah. uh, connected with you at Scandalaris <laughs> Center. But before that, um, where did you, you said you went to Mizzou and then you found your way here from Mizzou to the St. Louis area? I did, yes. Yeah. So after undergrad, um, I was a very stereotypical arts and sciences graduate, had no idea what I wanted to do or where I was going to go. There were um, I could do literally anything, and that was too many options. Um, so for a bit after undergrad, I uh, stayed in Columbia, Missouri, worked a couple of different jobs just trying to figure life out the way a 20-something does, uh, and then eventually decided that I was tired of that and that Columbia was not going to be the best place to stay. Uh, and like I said, just picked up and moved to St. Louis. But um, it was a little bit unfortunately timed in 2008 with the uh, – Oh. economic uh, changes, which is not the best time to give up jobs that you were you were working at and become unemployed. But um, I got really lucky. And after a little bit of bouncing around, I signed on with a temp agency, which is not a path a lot of people think about. But for anybody who doesn't necessarily know uh, what they want in a career and just have a lot of options and need some time to explore different um, workplaces and different roles, a temp agency can be really helpful. Um, I got to see a lot of different things. Um, worked with some really interesting organizations, 
Um, and through that, I actually landed a couple of different temp opportunities with Washington University, um, which is something I had been trying to get into on my own, which is um, notoriously difficult to do to get a foot in the door here. And uh, my temp agency actually provided that for me, and I have been here ever since. That's great. That's great. You, you lived off a, a mantra I've told uh, a lot of students, and that's make yourself um, indispensable. <laughs> you know, find, yeah. get, your, get your foot in the door and, and make it impossible for people to think that they can, they can let you go because you're just too valuable. Yeah. So, yeah. So I started out in uh, career services and I did that for about five, six years and I've been with Scandalaris for a little over seven now. Nice, nice. That was so great that uh, you've been with us so long. And um, yeah, uh, so thanks for that. So uh, uh, moving to you, Cyril, a little bit of your backstory. We'd love to know um, where what your hometown is. Yeah, so uh, I'm Gambian American. So I'm originally from Gambia, West Africa, uh, which is like a tiny, tiny spot in, in West Africa. They actually call us the Smiling Coast of Africa. And if you if you meet me in person, I'm always smiling. I know the yes. mask is sometimes on my face, but I'm literally cheesing always. So <laughs> I can I, attest to that. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I'm from Gambia, West Africa. I lived in three different countries before the age of seven. Uh, so my parents traveled around a lot. I uh, grew up in Indiana. So Fort Wayne, Indiana is where I grew up. So I, I I do have hometown pride for sure in Indiana uh, and also Gambia for sure. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Indiana and uh, came over to for college to UMSL. Uh, my parents moved to jobs when I was a senior in high school. And then uh, after my freshman year at IU, they, they thought it was best for me to be home uh, with them for several reasons. They thought it would be best for me to shift and live with them in St. Louis. Uh, so went out here, came, went to UMSO. I I didn't mention this, Rob, but at the age of five, I always wanted to be an attorney. So uh, oh, nice. for those here, and I always said, I'm going to be a lawyer. I know what I'm going to be, never going to change. And so <laughs> I entered UMSO and, and IU with a pre-law, political science uh, major, and I uh, graduated that, also communications. Uh, and then um, after graduation, I thought I was going to land this awesome job, right? This yeah. is what I was going to do. I uh, work a little bit, then go to law school. Well, that didn't happen, so I tried to go back home to Indiana because I loved Indiana, and at this time, I didn't really like St. Louis, honestly. Mm. Every month when I was in college, I used to go back home to Indiana. Every month, I used to just take that six-and-a-half-hour drive back to Indiana, and I couldn't find a job in Indiana. Um, I couldn't get hired, so I came back to St. Louis. I, I, I started my venture in 2011, Caring Ministers, which we'll get into later on, and then I started grad school at Webster, and then I loved it. And honest truth, I never looked back. Uh, St. Louis has been great, such a great place to be at. Uh, a lot of amazing people. I, I'm so thankful that I didn't get that job back home in Indiana. Oh, yeah. And uh, now people always ask me, are you going to come back to Indiana? I'm like, no, nah, I have something really, really great in St. Louis. You're some amazing people nice. and a great area to be at and grow yourself. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that story. And I, I just, there's so many lessons in there. Like uh, I tell students, you know, sometimes they don't get the internship they wanted. And it's like, well, when one door closes, another one usually opens. And it sounds like that's what happened with you. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And uh, you and I are both, uh, in interestingly enough, uh, 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 graduates of Webster. I got my undergraduate degree at Webster back in the I don't, uh, the dark ages, <laughs> the early nineties, I uh, went to the conservatory of theater arts at Webster 
um, which is now named actually for the um, the person that recruited me out of high school, Peter Sargent. Um, may he rest in peace. He just uh, just passed not long ago. But um, but yeah, so I have a theater degree from from Webster. You have probably a much more useful degree <laughs> from Webster. Um, but uh, nice, we're both Gorlocks, and I yes. I could, uh, that's a fictitious uh, uh, mascot. Uh, it's ridiculous, but it's a uh, it's what it's Webster's Webster mascot is. So. What am I going to do? Change it? Um, but uh, it's great to to hear that backstory there, Cyril. It's really wonderful. Um, so this is fun. So uh, I would love to uh, get to know kind of what your roles are at Scandalera Center, specifically how you um, connect with students, what what students should know, um, uh, and that type of thing about uh, connecting with Scandalaris. And in your case, Jessica, you know, also you've got some backstory with uh, the Weston Career Center and the Olin School of Business. So. If you could talk about uh, how students connect or how they should connect with Scandalaris uh, and how they shouldn't be shy in any case uh, on doing that. Um, how about they you first, Jessica? Yeah. yeah, they definitely shouldn't be shy. Um, yeah, so when I came into the career or came into the Scandalaris Center, I came in with some time um, from Weston and from the main career center that's currently located in the Duck. Um, so I come in with a career services background, which actually really serves my role well because I am focused on student programming and helping students just develop an entrepreneurial mindset, which can really help them in their career no matter what they choose to do, whether they choose to start something new or if they choose to go um, do something innovative within an existing company or work for a startup. It really doesn't matter. Um, the main thing is having that ability to innovate and think creatively. Uh, and the programs that I work on are things that help students do that. So my portfolio includes our larger recurring student-facing programs that aren't competitions. Um, Cyril gets to do the competitions. Um, I get to do things like our step businesses and our fellowship program for undergrads and grad students, uh, as well as anything related to orientation. Um, I work with all of our student organizations. Uh, I focus on our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. And um, often working with different classes and just anything student facing that helps develop the entrepreneurial mindset. That's, that's nice. what I'm here for. Could you uh, articulate very quickly what a step business is and how students are engaged in those types of uh, opportunities? Yes. So the student entrepreneurial program is an opportunity for undergrad students to own and operate their own small business on campus that serves the WashU community. So if WashU students uh, know the South 40, they've seen the Greg Walkway and where the storefronts are, um, but all of the businesses that are housed there are part of the STEP business program. Uh, and it's a great way for students to get hands-on business ownership experience. Um, it's meant to be a supplement and a complement to their in-class learning. Uh, and they're wholly owned by undergrad students. You know, we have a set of guardrails within the program that students have to abide by, but, you know, running and operating their business is completely up to them. Um, it's it's their investment and their, their opportunity. So um, it's a really unique program. There's not like another, there's not another one like it uh, in the country. Um, we've done a ton of benchmarking and most other programs uh, that are anywhere near similar uh, have either the university or third party entity um, wholly owning the businesses or the students have a very, very tiny percentage stake. Um, whereas we stay out of that entirely and we, we let them run the businesses. Nice. Uh, so students can either buy into an existing business, which is how we get businesses that have, um, you know, stayed around a long time, like Wash You Wash and Paris Bikes, 
or students can start something new. Um, in the last couple of years, we've had two new businesses start even amid the pandemic. So hmm. Gallery 314 started last year as well as Dorm Drop. Uh, and they're actually doing really well. So nice. it's exciting to see students who are so motivated and um, excited about entrepreneurship and small business ownership. So nice. um, anything that doesn't necessarily fit into the step paradigm, though, um, it's kind of a framework and there's certain things that fit within it in terms of business ideas. Um, anything that doesn't necessarily fit into it, that's when sales programs come in. Um, and it, it doesn't, that's, I think the thing I want students to know about the Scandalaria Center is that it doesn't matter what your idea is, um, if it fits into step or not, it doesn't matter. We are here to help students develop that mindset as well as launch anything that they might be working on and that we're open to everybody. We're interdisciplinary. Um, it's actually the, the full title of our, our center is the Scandalaria Center for Interdisciplinary Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Oh, so, I left that out. I want, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's a really long name. Um, and it, it's just a mouthful. But I do want students to know that we are interdisciplinary and we're open to everybody. So um, right. I want to see the Sam Fox students. I want to see the engineering students. I want to see the law students. You know, it doesn't matter nice. um, where a student's housed. We we want to see them here. Nice. How interesting that a, a fellow like myself that directs an interdisciplinary program left the word out of the Scandalaris title. <laughs> so <laughs> that one word is not just any word. It's the word interdisciplinary. I left out apologies. Um, right. Uh, it, we've got, uh, you might say that uh, we're doing a, uh, we've got three students, uh, one in the first year class of Beyond Boundaries and two in the second year class that are very involved with Swap, which is a thrift store, one of the mm -hmm. step businesses and um, doing very well. We did a thrift store crawl um, as part of uh, some, um, uh, let's see, faculty associate uh, programming last semester, or this semester, it's, it still feels like it's uh, this, this last mm -hmm. semester already, but it's been a long semester. But um, but yeah, so we co we cooperated with Swap and we started our whole thrift store uh, crawl at Swap, which was awesome. So oh, cool. very proud of those those students, Campbell Sharp and Aviva Diamond and Ella Erton, all Beyond mm -hmm. Boundary students involved with Swap. Um, so very really great opportunities that you offer um, and unique, as you said, there's no other university mm -hmm. doing it like that, which is great. Um, but uh, turning to you, Cyril, uh, what does it mean to be assistant director of venture development at Scandalaris? Um, what are your, how do you connect with students? Yeah, no, um, it means that I get to see all the amazing ideas that are coming uh, at WashU, coming from WashU, which is super amazing. Um, I connect with students in saying that Jessica said it so perfectly, no matter what idea you come with, they come to me. You know, when I was starting, I haven't been at WashU too long, about a year and maybe three months or so. And I, I, my first thought was the Scandalaria Center, what a great resource. Like if I was in college, I'll be here all the time. Uh, so I get to interface with students in the sense of if they have an idea, they get to come to me. Uh, so it's an idea and saying, okay, we're not even sure about the idea, right? We just have a thought. It happened. Even last year, yesterday, the idea bombs. I think you missed it, Rob, at the open mic session. Somebody had an idea that was three hours ago, right? And they pitched it at the idea bombs. And so something like that, it's like an idea just came. We, I meet with them and we try to figure out what is it? Is this viable enough, right, for our customer base? And then, then we have students that are already doing something and they're looking to scale. So the great thing is we have two of our signature uh, competition. It's the Scandalaris Venture Competition, SVC. 
And in that competition, students get a chance to win up to $22,500, and it's non-diluted funding, so it's pretty amazing. In that competition, we're not asking for much. We're telling you, what is the problem that you're so passionate about? Tell us that problem. And what is that solution that you think, right? What's that hypothesis you think might solve that problem? And then we're just looking at that with team and things like that. So we really come alongside and support you throughout. It's not saying, go, this is what you need to do, go get it done. No, my uh, role is to, as the venture assistant director of venture development is to meet with you daily, right? Work with you and say, okay, this is how it looks like. This is what you need next. So I really love engaging with those students, my our wall has whiteboarding, and we're just whiteboarding ideas, seeing what comes good, going through the value proposition canvas, seeing if that's like an idea that's possible, if not. But it's just great uh, engaging with it because we know we fall in love with the problem and the hypotheses, the solution might change. So that's one of the ways I get to interface with them, Scandalous Venture Competition. We have that twice a year. So we have that in the fall semester, and we have that in the spring semester. And currently, just a great shout-out, the Scandalous Venture Competition is currently open. Application closes on February 1st, 2022. That's when application closes. And another way I get to interface with the students is our Global Impact Award. Now, that's a, a larger competition. You have The ventures have to have a proof of concept and scalable. But we have some amazing ventures that are currently owned by students, right? Uh, I think of Honeymoon... Um, Honeymoon Chocolates, I think of Three Ducks Design. So we have amazing ventures. It's not stopped to say, hey, you're a current student, so that means you can't win the Global Impact Award. Do you have a proof of concept? Is it scalable? Uh, but yeah, so I get to interface with them, work with them, develop that idea, that passion of theirs. But once again, it starts with the problem, and that's why what Jessica said was so great. Is if you have an idea, come through our doors, because that problem that you're trying to solve, it's a problem that needs to be solved. The solution we're just testing out the solution. We don't know it yet, but we can come to it together, right? And that's why I'm here to, to just be a support system throughout the journey of actually launching your venture. Mm, I love that. I love that. It also underlines this concept that um, I often think students, particularly young students, first and second year students seem to think that, oh, my role, my job, if you want to call it that, is to go to class and um, learn information and regurgitate that information at exam time. And that's 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 the routine. But there's this wonderful designer sort of inspiration in my life um, uh, named Bruce Mao, who often touts that that school should be about uh, not about the content of the experience, but the experience of the content, and that it's all about, you know, taking existing ideas and making new ones and uh, out of those existing ones. And that's, you know, it's about taking the knowledge that you learn in, in our case, in the university system, and making new things out of it. You know, it's it's uh, not about regurgitating it and getting the grade and moving on. It's, uh, if you've got an idea, they should students should really connect with you all. So, so wonderful that you all you all do that and encourage our students to do so. There's also this idea as well that, um, uh, and I believe our former provost Holden Thorpe wrote about this in a book about you know using the university at large as a an incubator for for new ventures. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? You, so you mentioned a couple already that there are students that while they are students are launching a startup, for example. Um, I'm thinking as well of Blake Margraf, who's an alum from a few years ago who started Betaversity, which is uh, essentially um, uh, shipping containers that are uh, basically maker spaces. <laughs> you can drop a maker space in the parking lot of your middle school or whatever it might be. and and uh, engage with a makerspace that's temporary and there for as long as you want it there. So 
Um, what are some other uh, ideas that come to mind or, or uh, students that you can cite that have, that have uh, you know, had things take off? Yeah, no, uh, and, and Jessica can definitely chime in here uh, because she's been with the center, Scandalera Center, longer than I have. But I think of Andrew Glantz with Gift a Meal that's doing some amazing things around St. Louis, was an Arch Grant uh, winner. Uh, Gina Scopi recently, I think, raised over one point something uh, million. Um, Honeymoon is doing a great job. We're launching their second site, Honeymoon Chocolates, uh, Three Ducks Design, uh, doing some great things. Uh, I, I don't know, Jessica, am I missing some other, other names that aren't, the, the, you know, <laughs> out there? I mean, over the last 10 years, we've had, I think, 270-some-odd students or alumni start businesses. Wow. Um, a lot of those are re, uh, serial entrepreneurs. Um, so somebody like Blake Margraf actually is a really good example. So Betaversity, he did start while he was an undergrad student and saw some really good success with that. Uh, and then he went on um, with an, another WashU alum, Joe McDonald, to start. Um, it started as eFarmix uh, and then changed its name to CareSignal. And then just a couple weeks ago, um, they sold CareSignal to another healthcare IT company called Lightbeam. Um, so, or something to that effect, you know, startup names are always fun, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, and what was great about um, Blake and Joe's startup and Andrew Glantz's startup and Honeymoon, um, you know, these are students who have come to WashU from all over the place and have chosen to stay in St. Louis after graduation and launch their startup uh, and keep it here in St. Louis and really impact the St. Louis uh, startup ecosystem as well as the overall um you know, economic community in St. Louis. Uh, so that's really cool to see. Some of the other things that come to my mind, Fanta Caba, um, while she was in her MBA program, launched Golden Roots Essentials, which is a skincare line. Mm. Uh, she won our Global Impact Award last year. Um, actually, almost all of our Global Impact Award winners over the last five, six years have gone on to do some really cool things. Uh, and that includes the ones Cyril mentioned in Gift a Meal and Three Ducks Design and um, Genioscopy. Um so it's really cool. And actually, uh, CareSignal as well was a um, winner of Global Impact Awards. So, nice. uh, And then that's just on the undergrad side. I mean, we have um, grad students who start things all the time, especially in um, biomedical and healthcare um, products and services. So, you know, there's a couple hundred um, graduate alumni who have gone on to start things mm -hmm. as well. And I mean, collectively, both grad and undergrad students, I mean, we're, we're pushing the $6 billion in funds raised mark um, for those alumni. Wow, that's just so impressive. It's, and it's just so uh, wonderful to see. I, I, to me, as a, I teach a creativity class, and we talk about uh, ideas and what our brain is doing when we don't think it's doing anything at all. Actually, there's a lot going on in our brain and the default mode network it's called. And, and it's just every one of these um, startups began as simply as an idea. And, and that's all it takes, you know, it, it's just to come up, who knows, uh, the, you, your idea might be the next big thing, whatever that is <laughs> these days. But uh, it's just so wonderful to hear all those success stories. And yes, Blake, Blake Margraf's one of my fave guest lecturers who comes in and really inspires students with his, his energy. And it's always wonderful to hear the business, uh, the Olin uh, students ask him, they assume after hearing him pitch about what he does and all the businesses he's run that he, they assume he was an Olin student here at WashU, but that was not the case. <laughs> I think he was biology, right. if I'm not mistaken. Biology so, and I think like English or writing. Yeah, yeah, totally. So there's sort of a 
case example, really, of uh, it doesn't matter what your background is, you should connect uh, with Scandalaris. And our very own um, Beyond Boundaries app is um, was uh, built by a company um, founded by two alums, uh, David Adkin and uh, Halfley, Ben Halfley. Um, yep. And it's Adalo. now, yeah, Dalo. And interestingly enough, my own stepdaughter works for Adalo now. So um, great company doing great things. Uh, so um, so yeah, we owe it to Adalo actually for our own Beyond Boundaries app. Um, so I wanna make sure we also touch on Cyril, you've got some backstory here that I find super interesting. And that is when you, uh, that you founded a nonprofit here in St. Louis called Caring Ministries. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's a, a great, great, great organization I founded. So it started as a for-profit and honestly, Rob, I was just trying to help people. I was really trying to help people. And you talked about uh, our passion, right? Helping people and what we learned in, in school. So my undergrads in poli-sci and my paper that I wrote uh, upon graduation was how immigrants can help revive a city. So that was the notion I thought in my mind, how immigrants help revive the city. So it started as saying, okay, St. Louis at that time, we were losing some, we were losing population. At that time, we, our inner city was very much distressed, dilapidated properties. So uh, the problem was here is, hey, uh, our, our city is kind of being distraught, right? And there needs to be revitalization to bring people back into our city, which has been done in St. Louis, which is great, right? Uh, so that's how Caring Ministers was birthed. And there was a huge influx of immigrants and refugees coming in at 2011. And that, that keeps coming in today. So through that, we we're able to start a, a housing organization, housing company. So I converted that to a nonprofit because I wanted the proceeds. I kept figuring out how can I help people. And we talked a little bit about this. So initially was, I'll say, part of the proceeds goes to help inner city kids go to private schools. So that was part of it. After every home that was sale, um, then part of the proceeds goes to help inner city kids. So started it for-profit, converted it to non-profit, and then it was doing good. And that's why I said we're always through customer discovery. It never ends. Your your venture, just because you start it, it's like you can't just take a seat and relax and say, oh, I've done it. No, it's always going on. So as I engaged with my clients, customers, I, I realized that I wasn't really solving their needs. And I know I can't solve everything, right? I knew I can't solve anything. But one of the burden was there was no one in the space that was doing it efficiently. Efficiently. So uh, for me, that became how can I help the recent refugees get stabilized? And that's part of our mission statement that we added in caring ministries is to help them get stabilized and affordable housing in St. Louis. So it became, and I, I think about five years ago, five and a half years ago, the Syrian population came in. And that really sparked it because here's Syrian refugees coming from Syria and really they, they can't afford a house, right? And they're coming in through the International Institute and they're being placed in a 182 apartment complex, which is just about a mile away from Washu North, by the way. It's really, really close to Washu North. And um, nobody kind of went there and engaged with them. And I know Delmar Divide, there's a big narrative uh, why that didn't happen, but nobody engaged with them. And that kind of uh, broke me down and realized mm. my thought was, as my company at that time was, well, we won't engage with you until you're ready to buy a house, which takes years. But this population, just because of the location they were at, which is North Del Mar, um, they weren't being met. So my, my thought was, let's engage them. Let's develop relationships with them. Let's see, figure out what they need. Let's create a model around them to support them and lift them up. So I got a chance to 
chat with Charlotte Brennan, which did amazing work. We got a chance to raise a lot of dollars for them, got a chance to provide housing for them, jobs for them. Uh, Sir uh, Jessica Bueller now is doing something amazing with uh, uh, neighbor uh, Welcome Neighbor uh, program that she created, kind of pivot, uh, picked up where I left it with the Syrian refugees. But it was so great because there was over in that apartment complex 55 Syrian families, and mm. they were left, I think they came around Thanksgiving time uh, five years ago. And what we did was, at a time, built relationships with them, figured out what they needed. Uh, in that process, we provided stability for them uh, through housing. And it wasn't a still, and just figuring out the entrepreneurship mindset, it wasn't still just given, given. It was a thought process. How can you make them sustainable in the sense of what can we provide for them? Is that farming for them, right? teaching them how to farm. There's a lot of empty lands, growing your own produce, making dollars. So there was so many uh, facets that we added to it. But the main goal was we're going to walk alongside these broken people that Mm. need support. And we're going to figure out through connections, through networking, and bring them to experience truly that American dream, which I always talk about homeownership, but it's also beyond homeownership. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. I was going to say American dream. I mean, you're making the American dream visible for them. Oh, how wonderful that is. And how wonderful that you bring that expertise to our students as well. That's, that's, you know, something you can't learn in the classroom. It's a, uh, it's real life expertise you're bringing to our students. So, oh, that's just so wonderful. Um, thank you for sharing that story of that, of that particular organization. I'm sure students can, if they want to be involved, can, can connect with you. Um, oh, definitely. I, I want to ask you all, we'll begin with Jessica and then move motors over to Cyril. Um, uh, what if you could go back in a time machine and go back to your first year self and whisper in your, uh, I guess you'd be about 18 years old or so. Um, what advice would you give yourself that that would have been useful to you at that time? Jessica, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, so many. I, I think I've been awake since about four o'clock thinking about that <laughs> ever since you warned me this question was coming. <laughs> um, I think I have two pieces of advice for my first year college self and really for all of the students that I work with. So um, one of the things we, we didn't get around to touching on necessarily, but, um, you know, still relevant to my work here is um, in my quote unquote spare time uh, in my role here at Scandalaris Center. I'm also a four year advisor for arts and sciences students. Um, and I, I love working with the arts and sciences students because um, I, I, I see it as my opportunity to help them avoid some of the pitfalls I ran into as a uh, lost undergrad uh, arts and sciences student. But one of the things that I tell you know all of the students that I work with, whether it's the students in the fellowship or the arts and sciences advisees or whoever I'm working with, um, first piece of advice would be you know say yes to everything that you can you know as long as you're not like over committing and over stretching yourself you know say yes to things um, it is your opportunity to try a lot of different things you're going to learn a ton um, it's going to help you put together you know what you want out of life post graduation um, not just in your career but you know as a whole holistic life um, because that goes beyond just what you do for work uh, and then the second piece that I've really been thinking about and that I wish I had had and had done when I was at Mizzou, you know, make sure that you're connected to an advisor. WashU makes that really easy to do. Um, we have a really good uh, support system for students. Um, so make sure you have somebody in terms of an advisor and a mentor, you know, an advocate on campus, um, somebody that you can go to to ask questions about classes and, and more than that, but um, just have somebody that you can bounce ideas off of. Um, and, and make sure you have that kind of advisor, somebody that you can stay connected with. 
Yeah, great advice. Really great advice to think of. I often use the metaphor of a snowball that a student, uh, when they first join us, they have two or three advisors. They have a major advisor. They have a beyond boundaries advisor if they're in beyond boundaries. But but then the snowball starts. They've got advisors, mm-hmm. major, minor advisors. And, and I often ask career them advisors. To, career advisors, financial aid advisors, you name it. And, uh, and, and you see, you could see every faculty member on campus, whether they're um, tenured or not, to see them as a resource, as an, a sort of a separate advisor as well. We've had a lot of students connect with faculty in their classes and those, those faculty become really strong connections for them to articulate yep. and visualize their future. Um, great, great advice there, Jessica. Thank you. Uh, Cyril, how about you? What advice would you give yourself? Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely give myself some really good <laughs> advice, uh, for sure. But, uh, some three things that came to mind when you asked this question, Rob, was, uh, my first advice is be patient, uh, be patient because enjoy the moment and soak it in and learn from it. Uh, don't be in a rush. Don't be in a haste because, uh, take time, pause, see what you're learning about things, because through that, you're actually gaining the skill sets that's needed for your future instead of just cramming everything in your head, rushing through and trying to finish and be great at it. Pause, take the moment, soak it in. And then uh, be willing to pivot, right? Be willing to pivot because things are going to come through. It's things are going to happen that say, okay, for example, I stuck with poli-sci because I'm super hard-headed. And, and I could have pivoted. Many times I could have pivoted, but I, I stuck with political science. Even though that is my passion, I stuck with it, right? But willing to say, you know, I am interested in something else, not just political science, right? I'm interested in something else. So I want to taste and see what that thing is. I want to pivot a little bit. So, and my third advice I would give myself is uh, get connected to resources that make your expertise vast, um, for example, like the Scandalera Center, right? I didn't have something like this when I was in college. But if there was a resource that kind of opened me up to various other opportunities and things that I was interested in, I want to be involved in that because I don't want to be just focused on one thing, kind of putting my eggs in one basket. That's what I did. But kind of saying, you know what, I'm, I want to make myself more holistic, more well-rounded and be an individual. When I'm out in the real world, I'll make impact in any field that I'm in. I'll be able to be innovative and just come up with ideas right there and be able to uh, bring solutions to what I'm doing. So uh, those would be the advice I'll do uh, instead of being just focused, narrow-minded, uh, textbook way, but be more well-rounded. Nice. Nice. I feel so, uh, so I asked you for one thing each and I got five things from two of you. I love it. I love it. It's, <laughs> you didn't break, you didn't break the rules. We're just going to edit out the other things after one. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, it, it's so great to hear that kind of advice. And uh, Jessica, I'm sorry. I feel some Catholic guilt for the fact that you were up early thinking about this question. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm not responsible, um, but. Uh, no, you are not. <laughs> but I, you know, it's really valuable advice for students to, to hear, to hear your own kind of uh, path to, through WashU and up to WashU, should I say, um, is a really important story for students to hear that, that they, that you've been in their shoes, um, you know, in, in an earlier phase of your life and you've lived that journey and you can really uh, help them, help them find their, their path. So thank you so much to you both actually for your time today and for, uh, giving us a window into the Scandalera Center for Interdis- Interdisciplinary Innovation and Entrepreneurship. Did I get that right? 
Yes, at Washington yeah. University in oh, St. Louis. Of course, there's that on the uh, yes. I thought maybe the word creativity was in there, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> so I went no, through there. Not yet. So, <laughs> not yet. We'll throw it in at some point. But um, but uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, for spending the time on the podcast and uh, and again just uh, making hope visible for our students. It means means so much. So um, thanks so much. Absolutely. Um, everybody's welcome to come visit us. We're located on the lower level of Malincrot underneath Subway. Yep. Not far yep. from Rob's office. That's right. My office is literally two floors up from, from you. So uh, it's always uh, neighborly, you might say, to kind of come visit yeah. you all. I'm in love with your space too. Students should at least come visit Scandalaris because as a collaborative workspace, it's, I think, top notch. So so definitely go visit uh, Jessica and Cyril and anyone else in the Scandalaris Center. They're fantastic uh, resources for our students. Thanks so much to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Boundaries podcast. We're glad you did. Please subscribe.